Nurses, the recent mass shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada has me really thinking about nurses and their response to disasters and emergencies here in the United States and all over the world. Let's talk about the fallout of Las Vegas right here on episode 129 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello, everyone. What's up? And welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Thanks for being part of the Nurse Keith Nation, whether you're a first-time listener or you've been tuning in for months or years. I'm grateful you're here, no matter how many times you've been here with me. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm consistently here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. I'm a member of the Pulse Media Network of Podcasters, along with RNFM Radio, Elizabeth Scala's Your Next Shift podcast, the Gluten-Free RN, and the Introvert Biz Growth podcast. Find Pulse Media Network at pulsemedianetwork.com. I want to remind you that it really helps other people find the show when you leave a rating or review over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Could you do that for me, pretty please? I would love for you to leave a rating and review and help other people find the show. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along over at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 129. That's nursekeith.com forward slash episode 129. Anyway, I am super thrilled you're here, as always. Let's hop on over into the studio and dig into today's topic, shall we? Folks, in the aftermath of the October 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada, I just really feel a need to respond to what happened, especially in relation to nurses, healthcare professionals, and first responders and others who were directly impacted by these types of events. These are horrific and tragic circumstances. It happens over and over again, folks. And you know, there were more than 250 mass shootings in the United States in the first nine months of 2017 alone. And the healthcare community is always at the epicenter of the response to these types of events. You know, it's just heartbreaking to hear the stories of what happened to people in Las Vegas. I know these types of events happen all over the world, but it seems like the United States is experiencing just a scourge of mass shootings. And I'm not sure if you are aware of it, but a mass shooting is considered an event where at least four people are injured in an event such as this. So any time there's a shooting or a killing or people are injured when there's less than four people injured, we don't hear about it as part of the mass shooting statistics. So I just want you to bear that in mind so that if we redefined what a mass shooting meant, these numbers, the 250 mass shootings in the U.S. in the first nine months of the year, these numbers would be much higher than they actually are now. So just keep that in the back of your mind and remember that this is just an outrageous epidemic 
sweeping the United States. Actually, it's been sweeping our country for decades. And this gun violence is just, man, I'm just having a hard time with it right now, as you can tell. Right now, however, I really want to give some shout outs. I want to give some props and some kudos to a number of different groups who were involved in the response to the Las Vegas shooting. First of all, we want to give props to the first responders, the people in the ambulances and the firefighters and the law enforcement. That includes state police, local police, man, federal police, SWAT teams, all of the people who swooped in there, even as the gunfire was rapidly still unfolding, putting themselves at risk to help the people who were injured and get them out of there and get them the aid they needed to decrease the number of people who were at risk of death and grievous injury. So hats off to all of those people who really jumped in and did the heroic and courageous work that really needed to happen. Also, I want to mention the hospital staff all over Las Vegas who went above and beyond. I've read many, many accounts in the Washington Post, in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, all over the internet, all of the coverage of the heroic work done in these hospitals, people just wading through blood and stretchers and gurneys just overflowing and hallways just packed with injured people who needed to be triaged. And I know that those triage decisions that had to be made in that situation were painstaking and heartbreaking at best. So shout outs to the folks at the University Medical Center in Las Vegas, who I think took the lion's share of the injured because they're the only level one trauma center in Las Vegas at this time. But I also read that Dignity Health St. Rose Dominican took patients, Mountain View Hospital helped out in many ways, Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center also saw patients, and there were probably other facilities that I haven't read about that also were involved in some capacity in the response with, gosh, it was hundreds of people who were injured and just outrageous numbers of people injured by this one man. And also, you know, the private ambulance companies that swooped in there, AMR and the other companies that transported people. And I also have to just mention the civilians, the people who took it upon themselves to drive cars and SUVs and trucks right into the line of fire and encouraged injured people to jump into those vehicles and be carted off to emergency rooms around the city. Amazing acts of heroism. I am just blown away by the stories I've read and the interviews that I've heard and read about what happened there, about what unfolded out in front of the Mandalay Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Folks, gun-related deaths are still the third major cause of injury-related fatalities in the United States. And there were more than 36,000 deaths related to firearms in the United States back in 2015. And the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they say that gun-related injuries cost more than $25 billion in terms of emergency response, surgeries, etc. between 2006 and 2014. That is a lot of money, my friends. That is a lot of our GDP going into gun-related injuries and deaths. So 
boy, we have our work cut out for us here in this country. And I know this is a career podcast, and this isn't really related to your career per se. However, when there are things happening in the country related to healthcare that are taking up either huge portions of our time, our money, our resources, our energy, our attention, our response, these actually can impact your career in different ways. It's good to be aware of what's happening in the country or whatever country you happen to live in, because I know we have people listening from six continents all around the world. So you need to look at this in terms of what's happening where you are, whether it's Australia, France, Denmark, Ghana, South Africa, wherever you happen to be, look at how violence, gun-related injuries, gun-related deaths, and other types of situations and circumstances are affecting either the amount of money being poured into healthcare, the holes that we're seeing in healthcare, and these economic issues and other issues that impact the healthcare environment and the healthcare ecosystem, they can come home to roost when it comes to jobs, job mobility, career development, the movement of you being able to move your career forward in the direction you want to. So understanding all of these different forces that are at work in healthcare is definitely important, even though it doesn't seem directly related to your career. Now, folks, when it comes to these types of mass casualty events, emergency preparedness, et cetera, there are some questions that you want to consider. And I have these listed in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 129. And I want to go over some of them here because I think they're worthy of our attention. So one is the question of how prepared am I for the horrific? How prepared are you for earthquakes, wildfires like those happening in California right now in Northern California? How prepared are you to be able to respond to a mass casualty event like what happened in Nevada just a few weeks ago? Also think about what skills am I prepared to put into action if I'm on the scene when a mass casualty event occurs? So if you happen to be in downtown Las Vegas or some other American or other city or town around the world, when there is a mass casualty event, whether it's an active shooter or an earthquake or a fire or a flood, what are you willing to actually do? And I know you can't really answer that question until you're there on the ground and it's happening right in front of your eyes. But think about what would you be willing to do if that kind of thing happened right before your eyes and you had the opportunity to jump in and help out? Now, here's a really important question, and we talked about this on a recent episode of RNFM Radio that I'll have linked in the show notes, and this was about disaster response and emergency preparedness, and Ashley Poffitt Miller on RNFM Radio asked the question about what related skills would you like to improve and refresh when it comes to disaster response, first aid? And all those types of skills that can really help out when things go awry and you are on the scene and able to respond. There might even be skills that you would like to learn for the first time. 
Over on RNFM Radio on that particular episode, Ashley recommended that people look into wound care, really get up to date on first aid and different types of wound care, especially in events where you're not going to have all of the materials available to you to provide first aid and wound care in the field like you would, let's say, in a hospital environment, in a controlled environment where you have everything that you need right there at your fingertips. What would you like to know about wounds and wound care? What would you like to know? What would you like to improve based on the knowledge and skill that you already have under your belt? There's also the notion of if you wouldn't or couldn't help out with immediate hands-on trauma or disaster response, do you have other skills that might be helpful in the aftermath? Crisis debriefing, for instance, logistical support. Maybe there are skills you would like to utilize or otherwise offer to organizations or facilities who could really make use of someone with your level of knowledge and skill. You may also want to consider what organizations doing emergency response and disaster preparedness would you like to support? Who would you like to give your money or your time or volunteer work to who you feel good about? Maybe it's the American Red Cross. Maybe it's Doctors Without Borders. Whatever organization it is that you respect and feel really good about, Think about how you would like to give to those organizations and support their very, very important work. Now, you also want to think about as a citizen and also as a healthcare professional, is there more that you can do to prepare for these types of situations? Are there ways in which you feel unprepared or you just know that you wouldn't know what to do or wouldn't know even the first place to turn if something was going on and you wanted to help out. So think about that. Think about these issues. This isn't really career-oriented per se. However, if you're a healthcare professional and a nurse, whether it's in the United States or elsewhere, there's a level of responsibility that you may feel that you would like to be able to respond to certain types of circumstances and events and really make yourself useful as a citizen, as a citizen who has specialized skills and knowledge that you would like to make use of, that you would like to give back and be a productive member of society and really be there for other people in their time of need. So give that some thought. Hey folks, we're going to take a pause for the cause just to talk a little bit about the National Nurses and Business Association Annual Conference, which was rescheduled due to Hurricane Irma and is now going to be held November 17th to 19th in St. Pete's Beach, Florida, right near Tampa. Now, the National Nurses and Business Association has been around for a long time. It's my favorite conference of the year, and you can come there and rub shoulders with some of the most famous and savvy nurse entrepreneurs on the planet, including Kevin Ross, Sean Dent, Renee Thompson, Donna Cardillo, Louise Jakubik, and so many others. Michelle Podlesny is the amazing president of NNBA, and she will be your guide through the entire weekend experience. That's in St. Pete's Beach, Florida, November 17th to 19th, 2017. I'll be there with my RNFM radio pals. We're going to be having a lot of fun. It's a relatively small and intimate conference, so you can really 
dig deep and talk to people and get to know the speakers and really have a grand old time. We always have fun at the NNBA and we'd love for you to join us. So check us out, head over to the show notes at nursekeith.com and you can click on the link, check out the conference and consider joining us in St. Pete's Beach. Hope to see you there. Here's something that actually is related to your career, not in terms of career growth, but in terms of the workplace where you're currently employed. And here are some questions I'd like you to think about in terms of your current workplace. Is my workplace prepared for mass casualties and other disaster scenarios? Is your workplace holding drills? Do they hold, let's say, active shooter drills? Let's say there are 200 wounded people being brought into the hospital by ambulances and private vehicles like in Las Vegas? Does your hospital know what to do? Do they have it together? Is there a plan? Or are they just sort of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and spitballing it when it happens? Do they carefully prepare? And have you personally been prepared to know what the plan is if something happened and you needed to respond as a member of that healthcare community? You also want to ask yourself the question, if you or your colleagues were called on to respond to an event like the Las Vegas shooting, for instance, would your employer provide aftercare? Would they provide crisis debriefing? Would they provide the types of post-trauma treatment that you might need having witnessed a horrific event and gone through a very stressful time? If you don't know the answers to these questions, go to the people in your facility who do know. Go to the people who plan these types of exercises or who should be planning them, go to the director of operations, for instance, find out, just say, hey, what's our disaster response plan? What is my responsibility if the call goes out for extra personnel to come running to the hospital? Do I need to do that? Where do I report? Also ask them, what would you do for me if I was really traumatized by something I had to do in a disaster response? Would you be there for me? Would you have my back? And would you get me through the tough times so that I can come back to work and be fully functional again? Speaking of being fully functional after a traumatic event, I want to talk a little bit here about vicarious traumatization. And this actually could be directly related to your career. And let me dig into this a little bit. In a recent blog post that I have linked in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 129, I talked about mass shootings and nurses, and I was talking about how when a doctor, a nurse, a firefighter, a police officer, or any other type of responder interfaces with some aspect of a mass casualty event, that individual's life whether it's a nurse, a doctor, or anyone else, can be inextricably altered for the rest of their lives. Vicarious traumatization is often defined as your empathic response, or you could say counter-transference that you experience when you have witnessed or attempted to mitigate or help out in a situation where other people are suffering. 
So let's say you responded to a mass shooting event like the one that happened in Las Vegas, and you were right there, and there's blood everywhere, and there's injured people, dying people, dead people all over the place, and you witness incredible suffering and devastation and violence or the aftermath of violence, or maybe you were right there and you were shot at too. That, my friends, is vicarious traumatization. And that needs to be dealt with after the fact, when the dust is cleared and things are getting back to normal. You need to know where to go and what kind of help to get. This kind of vicarious traumatization doesn't have to happen in a mass casualty event, a mass shooting, an earthquake, a flood, a fire, etc. It can happen when you are working with a dying patient in the hospital and you become very close with the patient and their family. And all of a sudden you find yourself quite bereft when the patient dies. I've been there and I'm sure many of you have been there as well. And that trauma of experiencing that patient's death and maybe witnessing the family's grief, and it brings up some of your own grief and your previous traumas from other times in your life, this can really lead to some pretty heavy-duty psycho-emotional and spiritual stuff going on for you. So, you need to know that if this sort of stuff happens to you in the course of your work, whether it's a disaster response or it's just your day-to-day workplace environment, you need to know what's out there for you. Is your employer really going to be present for you? And if you are traumatized, if you are experiencing PTSD for the first time, or you're experiencing a reinitiation of previous PTSD and your symptoms are exacerbated again because of something that happened in your workplace, what is your employer going to do for you? Is there an employee assistance program? Are you going to seek out a private psychotherapist? Are you going to seek out other types of help, other types of healers or healthcare professionals to help you through those times? This can, my friends, really impact your nursing career because if you are vicariously or otherwise traumatized and those traumatized feelings are not being dealt with, healed, processed and otherwise moved through so that you can come through on the other side and become fully functional again, then that can affect your employability. It could lead to you actually losing your job or feeling like you need to quit your job because you just can't handle it anymore. So in essence, any type of traumatization that happens in the course of your nursing career, whether it's as a volunteer or otherwise in the course of your daily duties as a nurse, these need to be dealt with. You need to pay attention to them and you need to make sure you heal this stuff so that you can keep moving through your career in a positive and inspired direction and feel like you actually have control of your life and have control of your psychosocial, your emotional, and your spiritual life so that you can be a healthy, happy, functional nurse and human being. Friends, vicarious traumatization can feel as real as any other trauma. And healthcare workers, first responders, firefighters, members of the law enforcement community, 
you often need a trained professional to be able to walk you through the experience so that you can get back to your normal level of function. Back when my wife and I were living in Western Massachusetts, we were trained in a crisis debriefing model that had actually been developed by the military back a number of decades ago, and it was subsequently adapted for civilian use. It's often used with firefighters and members of the law enforcement community as well. We provided, my wife and I, emergency debriefings with our colleagues for, let's see, there was a rape, there were murders. I even did a crisis debriefing for the employees of a bank where there had been an armed bank robbery. So crisis debriefing is a great model. And if your hospital or facility doesn't have a contract with a crisis debriefing organization or doesn't have a crisis debriefing team on staff, this is something you might want to look into because this can be very helpful for the victims of traumatic events, for first responders, as well as anyone else experiencing what you might say is the peripheral impact of a horrific or a tragic event or a violent event. So definitely look into crisis debriefing if you're interested in this type of resource and if you'd like to bring the powers that be at your workplace, if you'd like to bring this to their awareness so that they're aware that these types of services might be available in your community. Back on episode 124, the Nurse Keith show not that long ago, I talked a lot about nurse volunteerism, and I was really responding to the earthquake in Mexico and the floods that have been happening in the South and Southeastern United States and in the Caribbean. And on RNFM radio on a recent episode that will also be linked in the show notes, we also talked over there about mass trauma and disasters and the importance of nurse volunteerism. So volunteerism is a big part of what a lot of nurses and healthcare professionals do out in the world. You are not expected to volunteer. We've talked about that volunteerism is a great resume builder, but I'm really talking here about how it's about giving back. It's about contributing to society and utilizing the special skills and knowledge that you have as a healthcare professional and being a contributing member of society in that way. So if you're Move to volunteer, sure, put it on your resume. It's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to offer to the community. And it's wonderful to have that on your resume and be able to talk about it and use that as a way to network and build your professional confidence and the breadth and depth of what you've done as a healthcare professional. Now, these types of things I'm talking about today I know they're not all career issues per se, but we need to look at all the permutations of how everything that's happening around us in the world affects us as healthcare professionals, as nurses, and as citizens of our city, our community, our region, our state, our country, any group that we belong to, anything that happens affects us and our ability to step forward as nurses and healthcare professionals really does mean a lot. And we really can contribute so much to these types of conversations and also to the responses, the boots on the ground responses that have to happen when 
things go awry, when violence erupts, or when climate change and other powers come to bear and that we can step forward and really make a difference. My friends, you can, of course, make a career out of disaster response and emergency preparedness. You can definitely take that route if you want to. You can volunteer for Doctors Without Borders. You can volunteer for the Medical Reserve Corps. You could also become a Medical Reserve Corps leader. You could also be a public health nurse or disaster response official in your community like I have been in the past. And this could be a way for you to actually earn a living and do really great work in your community. So there are local, regional, national, or even international ways in which you can volunteer or work for a salary and respond to disasters, this is something for you to consider the ways that you would like to contribute and how this might impact your career and also, of course, your family and your home life if you're going to be someone who's going to start diving into these really high-profile, high-stress situations. So consider that very carefully and consider the ways in which it might affect your emotional and your spiritual and your physical health as well. So just a word to the wise, if you would like to do more disaster response, if you would like to pitch in in this way, just consider the ways it's going to impact you, this holistic impact it could have on many aspects of your life, and give it really deep consideration before you make any larger long-term commitments. If there are any skills, again, that you would like to develop because you would like to be more useful or as useful as possible in emergency situations, that is great. If you would like to take wound care classes, if you'd like to take follow-up, let's say, advanced first aid or first responder types of classes, that's a great way to go. You can contact your local Red Cross as a first place to start to see if they have any courses to offer. And you can also talk to your local board of nursing or other nursing organizations to see if they're offering any continuing education that might be of use. And if you would like to volunteer on an ongoing basis, I definitely recommend looking into the Medical Reserve Corps. It's a great way to get involved with a national network of healthcare professionals who are trained to respond to disasters and emergency situations. That might be very interesting for some of you. When I was a public health nurse in the town of Amherst, Massachusetts, back in, I think it was around 2008 or so, I was actually the head of emergency preparedness for that town of 25,000 people. I actually got to run and help to manage emergency preparedness exercises along with the Medical Reserve Corps at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. It was really fascinating. It gave me a glimpse into a world I hadn't really given much thought to, and it's been on my mind ever since, and I might decide to get involved with something like that here in New Mexico again. So this could lead to either a career path for you, 
or it could actually lead to a volunteer path or a passion for you that might really bear fruit on many, many different levels. So however you would like to be prepared for responding to disasters and emergencies and mass shootings and mass casualty events, I recommend that you go for it. There's nothing you can do that'll be wrong and it'll enrich your life and make you an even more valuable nurse and more valuable member of your community. Well, folks, there you have it. Thanks for listening to The Nurse Keith Show. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode, and I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your professional satisfaction in your career development. And did you know that you could become a patron of The Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Listener Bradley Sandoval became a patron just a few months ago, and he is making a monthly contribution to The Nurse Keith Show. If you would like to find out how to make a donation and become a patron of The Nurse Keith Show and what kind of prizes, prizes you're going to get in return for your largesse, head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith for more information. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by the amazing Tim Hollowell of thepodcastinggroup.com and social media and promotion are handled by the equally amazing Mark Cappy Spiesen. My ongoing gratitude to Tim and Mark for being just wonderful members of my Nurse Keith Show team. Sign up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com. Remember to check out Pulse Media Network over at pulsemedianetwork.com. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look for me over on LinkedIn. And folks, I really want you to stay positive. I want you to care for yourself and others, take inspired action in the interest of your career, and tune in again as we explore how to make your nursing career and your life more satisfying and inspired than you ever imagined. Be well, my friends. Dig deep. Seek joy. Keep in touch. And adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. (laughs) 